Hello, and welcome to the Faith Church Podcast channel. We exist to reach people and connect them to God and others. If you would like more information about Faith Church or would like to schedule a visit sometime, visit our website at www.igotofaith.com. We can only do what we do because of the generosity of our Faith Church family. If you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at www.igotofaith.com and hit the giving tab. Or you can text the amount of your contribution to 84321. Both of these options will send you to a safe and secure server. Your giving is much appreciated. Now get ready as our lead pastor, Steve Husky, starts a brand new series entitled Ghost Stories. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's great to see you here again. I want to welcome all of our Faith Church family. Thanks for being here this weekend and uh, all of our first-time guests. It is always a privilege that you're in the house. Being that it is a fall break and we have a lot of family traveling, I know they're tuning in online. Can we welcome them and all of our guests? We're glad you guys are tuning in. Well, hey, listen, we're starting a brand new series today that I really am fired up about. I believe that God's going to do some really great things in your heart in our lives, in this church, as we start a brand new series entitled Ghost Stories. The reason it's entitled this is because for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about this mysterious thought, person, thing called the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were raised in a traditional mainline church, you were probably raised not with this idea of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Ghost, which just makes it all that much more spooky and mysterious. So we're here to take the mystery out of the Holy Spirit and really allow the Spirit of God to show up and really do something radical in our lives. So how many people know this, that when, you, uh, when you're a kid and you're alone, you don't really like being alone as a kid because then you find out that maybe you're not really alone, right? Does anybody remember being a young kid and having to go down into the basement? I know basements aren't really prominent down here in the South. Maybe it was in an attic, but there's something about going into that mysterious place and you got to go down there. And then there's that moment just before you go back up the steps that you're standing there with the hand on the light switch and you know as soon as it gets dark, you got to bolt. So you got to, you know, you got to, you got to like stretch stuff out, you know, because you got to be quick because Hussein Bolt, he might be fast, but he was not faster than me at seven years old running up those basement steps. And you know, like as soon as you hit that light, man, you're gone up the steps. Anybody remember that? Uh, I also remember um, at times having to take the trash out. Uh, It was... You know, we would take turns. Our night was Sunday night. And uh, every now and then, you know, my dad would be like, Stephen, you need to take the trash out. And he would never tell you like when it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon and neighbors are out and people's mowing lawns. He would always tell you like, you know, 8, 9 o'clock at night when nobody's out and it's dark out. Stephen, I need you to take the trash out. And you'd open the door. <laughs> you know, and then like I would go get the trash, take it to the curb, and I'd be back in the house in like 17.4 seconds. Because you knew this, that you might be alone, but you might not. You never know exactly what tree the boogeyman's hiding behind. Right. We were kids. Also, we would go up, and some of you guys can relate to this who are outdoors people. Um, my, uh, my uncle had some cabins that he would let us borrow from time to time, and we would go out. And I'm talking like out in the country, out, out, out. We didn't have running water. Uh, in fact, we didn't even have a, uh, an outhouse. Our restroom was a seat with a hole in it. And you would carry, and you just set your seat wherever you needed to handle your business, right? And there was always that right distance that you would go because you would want to go far enough away from the cabin and everybody else that you had privacy, but not so far where the boogeyman could get you. 
And once you're out there and you find out you're too far, it's too late if you're halfway in, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I mean, there's always that, you know, when you're alone, you always wonder, am I really alone? And while we can laugh at it, there's something about growing up and sometimes you discover and you feel, unfortunately, in life that you really are alone. That we face sometimes tragedies and challenges and difficulties in our own life and we feel like in the middle of those things that nobody understands, that nobody can relate and there are times that that feeling is so overwhelming to think and to believe and to feel that you're alone. And I just want you to know as we jump into this series, Ghost Stories, and as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I want you to know today we're jumping right into the fact that God is with you no matter where you go, which means you are not alone. You are never alone. In your darkest hour, you're not alone. Through your toughest time, you are not alone. No matter what situation you're going in, you're not alone. You might lose your job or your identity, but you're not alone. You might lose a spouse or a loved one, but I want you to know, I wish somebody helped me today, you are never alone. And it might feel that way, and that feeling might be more powerful than anything else, but it can never overpower our faith in the promise that we're about to look at today, that in life, you are never, ever alone. The promise of the presence of God is a very real promise in our life that we have to hang on to. And so I want to jump into uh, this promise that Jesus makes. And he says this, if you're taking notes, in John chapter 14, Jesus, he makes this promise. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will, come on, say it, never leave you. Well, who is this advocate that will never leave us? He tells us in the next verse, read it with me, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth, and the world cannot receive him because, he isn't, because they aren't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But watch this, come on, read this, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. How powerful is that? That Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, I want you to know that I'm praying that God will send to you the advocate. And we're going to talk about what that means in a couple weeks. But today he tells us who this advocate is. He tells us who this, this person or who this thing is. He says, the Holy Spirit. He says, he's with you now, but later, everybody shout later, because we're living in the later. He says, later he's going to be in you. The later he's talking about is after his death, resurrection, and ascension. He says, right now the Holy Spirit's with you, but when I leave up out of this place, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and when he comes, he's going to be living on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, that has to be a peace and a comfort to our hearts that God is not just with us. But if you're a child of God, the promise is that he's not just with you. Come on, say it. He is in you. And so you have to ask this question, like, what is the Holy Spirit? Like, what is that thing? What is, who is that? Because depending on what denomination station you were raised on, you know, probably if you came out of a mainline pulpit, probably the Holy Spirit didn't get much playtime. You know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit doesn't get much airtime in a church of Christ or in a Presbyterian church or in a Methodist church. And, I, and I'm not slamming any of those denominations. I'm just saying that, you know, probably if you were raised in church, it's like the Father, Son, and wait, who? You know, the Holy what? And it's important as we navigate this conversation today and we look into what Jesus is teaching, that we understand exactly what or who the Holy Spirit is. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a thing, not an it, not a force, and not an energy. Because if you'll hear some people talk, even Christ followers, even believers, even people who know their Bible, oftentimes they'll describe the Holy Spirit as an it. And I want you to know he's not an it, he's a person. You wouldn't like it if I called you an it. 
he doesn't like it either because <laughs> he's a person. You say, well, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Because there are some, again, there are some fringe um, religions. For example, Jehovah Witnesses believe and teach that the Holy Spirit is the active force of God, that he's just this kind of mysterious force. He's this intangible, ethereal energy. You know, and if you're really charismatic, you were raised like, you know, everybody extends your hand. And like, we feel like we can move stuff in the name of Jesus. Like, you really get it on your face. Ah. And he's not an energy. He's not, a, he's not a force. He's not an immaterial thing. The Holy Spirit, come on, say it, is a person. Well, how do we know the Holy Spirit is a person? Because when you read Scripture and the Bible describes who the Holy Spirit is and what he is like, the Bible tells us that he has the characteristics of a person. Now, there are things that make you a person. There are things that define our personality, that make us and separate us from an inanimate object or an energy or a force. For example, when you read the Bible, the Bible tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit has an intellect. The Holy Spirit thinks. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.11 that no one knows the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God. So we know the Spirit of God has thoughts and thinks. Not only that, we know the Holy Spirit has emotions, just like you and I. In fact, the Bible tells us that we're not to grieve or to bring sorrow to the heart of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, again, understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person, is a personality, not a thing, but a person. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has a will. In 1 Corinthians, the Bible tells us uh, in chapter 12 that it's the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts of the Spirit as He wills. He chooses. He wills. We see that the Holy Spirit takes very unique action that only people take. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit sends. The Holy Spirit teaches. And so these are all things that contribute to us understanding that, again, the Holy Spirit, when we pray to the Holy Spirit, when we think about the Holy Spirit, when you learn today that the Spirit of God is living in you, we're talking about a person. And not just any person. He doesn't just have the characteristics of a person, but he has the attributes of God. I'm telling you today that when I tell you the Spirit of God is in you, when Jesus made a promise that the Spirit of the Lord is not just with us but in us, what he's telling us is that God himself is living on the inside of every Christ follower in this room. You ought to get excited about that. In a world where we can very easily feel overwhelmed and alone, God breaks the silence with the promise of his presence it's with every single one of us. And he tells us who is with you is not an it. He's a person. And he's not just any person. He is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has the attributes of God. You say, what's an attribute? It's, it's the things that make up specifically who is God. There are things that separate creator from creation. There are things that differentiate us from him. And there are things about God that only are true about God. For example, God is omniscient. He knows everything. Well, our, our knowledge is limited. Again, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 2.11. Notice what it says, that, that no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord knows all there is to know. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. If you know the story, when Virgin Mary gets impregnated, the promise comes this way by the angel. The angel of the Lord says this to Mary. He says, um, the he says, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. So he's saying, man, it's the spirit of the Lord that that power is, is what really made her to have that, that baby in her womb. And we see it over and over again. It's the spirit of the Lord that is everywhere. It's omnipresent. Only God can be everywhere at one time. David, he said this. He said, where can I go where I can escape your presence? He says, no matter where I go on the mountaintop, 
He said, where can I go away from your spirit? Even if I make my bed in hell, there you are. So again, we get this idea that the spirit of God, again, is very much a person and very much God. I'm just telling you that's some really great news because again, the promise is, guys, hear this, that in the world we live, you don't live it alone. You don't have to walk alone. I'm telling you when everybody else is, is running out, God is still with you. We're not alone. A person is living on the inside of you. It is God himself, the Holy Spirit. Is anybody here grateful today that you're not alone? But here's what we got to talk about a little bit because while that's a great idea and while it's a great feel-good story, what I want you to know more importantly than that just God is with you is the promise of his presence isn't just so you can feel good, but so you can do good. I'm going to let that hang there for a second. See, God didn't send the Holy Spirit just so we could have a Sunday morning experience. God sent the Holy Spirit so we can make a difference in this world. God sent the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us as Christ followers. Again, not just so we can get Sunday morning goosebumps. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever sing the song? And it's, 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 a, it's your favorite song. And it's your favorite song, and you're singing it, and you feel like, woo, man. And you look over at your neighbor, you're like, you feel it too, don't you? I feel, woo. And it's, whole, it's, the, it's the presence of the Lord. And I'm just telling you, the Bible tells us that he inhabits the praises of his people. And we ought to get excited that we can sense the presence of the Lord. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you lives on a box that only shows up on Sunday morning in the four walls of a church, you're missing the promise, not just presence, but the power of the Holy Spirit to go with you into this world so you can make a difference. And so Jesus, he goes on and he, he makes these statements in John chapter 14 to 16. Jesus is talking primarily about this idea and concept of this person who's living with us and dwelling on the inside of us. And he makes these really radical statements that just absolutely shake the disciples up. And I imagine if you were there, you'd be shaken too. Jesus starts this, this dissertation on the Holy Spirit by starting by saying this, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the Father. And the disciples are panicked, and they're hearing Jesus say they're leaving. And it's almost, and you've been there too, where you hear something, and you're so caught on that statement, they stopped listening to Jesus. They stopped hearing what else he was saying. In fact, Jesus, he says this. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Yeah, because they didn't care where he was going. All they cared about is that he was leaving. They had spent the last three and a half years of their life following Jesus, learning from him. They left everything to follow him, and now they're looking at him, and Jesus is saying, you're leaving? Where are you going? I mean, their heart begins to race. They begin to hyperventilate. They're panicked that the reality is setting in that Jesus is leaving. And he says this, instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. Wouldn't you grieve? I mean, stop and think about it. Put yourself in their shoes. Everything they ever needed to know was found in Jesus. I mean, can you imagine hanging out with Jesus? I mean, let's, let's just be for real. If you got a question, you can get any question you have answered from Jesus. How many angels can dance on the head of a pen? Jesus knew. I mean, inquiring minds want to know. I mean, can, you can ask him anything. He knew everything. If you have a theological question, hey, God, so what about it? What happens to people who've never heard of Jesus? I mean, do you know he knew the answer to that? Every difficult theological, what about the dinosaurs? Jesus like, let me tell you about some dinosaurs. In fact, I got a bone in my pocket right here. Jesus knew everything there was to know, and he was the truth. 
I mean, there are times my kids, probably like you guys as parents, your kids come to you and ask you questions, and you don't really know the answer, so you make it up because they don't know you're making it up because they don't know the answer, so you can tell them anything. They're going to believe it, right? <laughs> Kid comes to you and says, Dad, how do, how do they know that the weight limit of that bridge is 18,500 pounds? Well, son, I'll tell you what they do is they build the bridge, and then they drive heavier and heavier trucks over it till the bridge collapses. Then they weigh the most recent truck, and that's the weight when they rebuild the bridge that the weight limit is. That sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds reasonable. Not Jesus. Stop and think about this. Seriously. The disciples spent three and a half years learning from Jesus. He was a phenomenal teacher. He was the source of knowledge, and not just knowledge, but wisdom. When they didn't know how to handle a situation, when they didn't know how to deal with the Roman government, when they didn't know how to deal with the religious teachers, when they didn't know how to get along, Jesus was there to give them wisdom to navigate life. Not only was Jesus their teacher, not only was he their wisdom, but he was their conviction. Because sometimes, like you and I, we miss the mark, and we get off the path, and we start thinking things, living things, and believing things that are not true. And Jesus was the one who would always bring them back on the path. When they were arguing about who would be greatest among them in the kingdom, then Jesus was the one who says, I'll tell you who's the one who'll be greatest. It's the one who's least among you. I mean, he always had the answer. He always had the input. He was always the right one to go to. And he wasn't just a teacher. And he wasn't just wisdom. And he wasn't just conviction. The greatest thing, I think, when it came to the disciples was he was their authority. When they were dealing with the religious leaders, they had confidence because Jesus was there. When a kid came up who was demon-possessed, they weren't afraid because Jesus was there. When they were dealing with crowds of sick people. They knew it was okay because, say it with me, Jesus was there. And now their source of hope and life and meaning and learning and everything they've known for three and a half years is leaving them. And they're utterly panicked. Jesus, you can't leave us. But Jesus, he goes on and he says this. I love it. Watch this. He says, but in fact, read it every voice, but it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. See, Jesus understood something that even though Jesus was leaving, he understood that his disciples, he knew that they still needed a presence in their life. If they were going to continue to learn as disciples, if they were going to continue to grow as believers, if they were going to continue to go into this world and make an influence as missionaries, he knew they couldn't do it alone. So he said, I want you to know something. Even though I'm leaving you, I'm not going to leave you orphans, he says at one point. I'm not abandoning you. I'm not going to leave you alone. He says this. He says, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And church, that promise is good for us today. And the reason he said it's better, uh uh-uh, come on, he said it's what? There's good, come on, say it. There's good, better, and think about it. Jesus, hanging out with Jesus was just good. We have it not better than the disciples. We have the best case scenario. Do you know why? Because Jesus was localized. He could only be in one place at one time, which means the presence of God in Christ could only be with them corporately. But now the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us individually, which means when the bell rings at the end of class today, some of you are going north, south, east, and west. Some of you are going home, and some of you are going to restaurants. Tomorrow morning, some of you are going to class, and some of you are going to work. But here's what I want you to know is no matter where you go, the Spirit of God is going with every single one of you into the world you live because he promised to never Never leave us. Mm. And again, while that's really great news, that it's best that Jesus left because he sent in his absence the Holy Spirit who now isn't just with us but lives on the inside of us. What you need to know is this, if you're taking notes, watch this. This is really important. The promise 
of the Holy Spirit is not just who's with us, but why he's with us. So you have to understand what Jesus is really talking about. Why did this, why did this conversation come up? Why, why talk about the Holy Spirit now? Even though Jesus, even though the Holy Spirit gets airtime throughout Scripture, I mean, the Holy Spirit is talked about right out of the gate, Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. And you find the Spirit of God, you find the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, depending on what translation of Bible you read, you find Him showing up throughout Scripture over and over. It was the Spirit of God that came upon the prophets and they prophesied. It was the Spirit of God that came upon David and He slung the rock and killed the giant. It was the Spirit of God, I mean, over and over, all the way in the New Testament. It's the Spirit of God who descends like a dove, who baptizes with fire, who teaches, who convicts. I mean, it's the Spirit of God who is the voice of God to believers today. And while we see that he gets all this playtime and airtime in Scripture. Jesus, he waits until the end of his ministry to really talk in detail about the Holy Spirit. Why? Why wait to the end? Because Jesus knew that now more than ever they were going to need someone to be with them. In fact, he goes on, he says this, John 14, 16, back where we started. Come on, y'all read this. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you, come on, say it, another advocate who will never leave you. Now, I know, I know this word other isn't a big deal to us. You give us another comforter. This word in the original Greek language, this word that Jesus told his disciples, man, it was so meaningful. Let me, let me tell you why. So, so this past week, I'm not a great sleeper. I don't get a lot of sleep. And so a lot of times I'm up late at night. And this past week I was hanging out. I was awake. I was sitting on our couch watching, watching the TV. And um, my daughter, I hear her get up, everybody's in bed, and I hear my daughter get up and go to our refrigerator. Now, we have a refrigerator that has the thing on the front where you can get water or ice or crushed ice. Come on, y'all know crushed ice is from God, don't you? That's, that's manna from heaven right there. And so I hear her take a cup out of the cupboard, and I hear her get a glass of water. And when you let off, you're supposed to hear it stop going. Come on. Well, she stops, but it's still. And so she's like, Dad. So I'm sitting on the couch, and I got a T-shirt, shorts, and socks on, and we got hardwood floors in our entire house. I'm just telling you, when you try to run really fast on the hardwood floors with socks on, you look exactly like Wiley e. Coyote. I'm running, but I'm not moving anywhere. Finally, I catch traction. I'm like, skirt. I run in there, and so I can hear water squirting out behind a refrigerator. Now, this is 1230 at night. This is not the time for plumbing problems. So I go to try to pull the refrigerator out, and it's so heavy, and because my socks, like I'm going like this, like the refrigerator isn't moving, I'm just sliding. So I had to get my daughter, who weighs 95 pounds, to help me pull the refrigerator out, which I'm going to be honest, humbled me, but we got it out. So we pulled it out. There's water shooting out of the back of the refrigerator. So I'm panicked. I'm trying to find a shutoff valve. We moved into this house brand new six years ago. I knew when we moved into it, I didn't think it had a shutoff valve. Now, you need to know where your shutoff valve is, and I've been meaning to find out for six years. Unfortunately, I waited till the most inopportune time to find out we didn't have one. So we're trying to shut it off. I'm trying to, it's, I think the line's underneath the dishwasher, so I try to pull the dishwasher out. I don't know who put the dishwasher in. I think the devil did, but whoever did, I was cussing him because I couldn't get the dishwasher out. So I'm telling you, this water's squirting everywhere. Y'all got to imagine, water's flooding out into our kitchen. It's now 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm panicked. Um, I didn't cuss, but in my mind, I was saying, Lord, help me. <laughs> so I think maybe there's something underneath the house. Now, some of you guys have been here long enough know that I don't like spiders. I don't, really don't like any bugs, but especially spiders. And you know where spiders live, don't you? Underneath your house. So I've never been under there. I'm telling you, in the middle of the day, I almost went under there once, and I'm like, nah, I don't need anything under there. 
So now it's one o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black out. And I'm looking underneath our house in the crawl space like, hmm, how bad do I want to turn this water? I mean, we can just let this one flood and go get a new one. But I thought, no. So I, I climbed underneath this house and I'm crawling around and I'm fighting spiders and cobwebs. And I don't find, I can't find a shutoff valve. I get inside the house. Here, my wife found one I didn't know was there that was actually underneath our sink. So now my daughter moved the refrigerator and my wife got the water shut off. I thought, I'm just going to bed. But here's the crazy thing. So this valve, this valve is what broke. This little plastic thing that you hook the water lines into, it broke. This is why this story is important, besides the fact that it's embarrassing and humiliating, is because I needed to go get a replacement part. Now, they have something in replacement parts for car parts, refrigerator parts, whatever it is. It's called OEM. Anybody know what OEM is? Basically, it's original manufacturer parts. I went to a parts store, and I got something that looked like it was an original part, but it wasn't. It looked like it was the same quality, but it wasn't. You could tell it was a much less quality part. And when I got it home and I hooked all the water lines up and I turned the water, water still squirting everywhere. And it wasn't me. Don't look at me like that. I did it right. But I saw finally I had to jimmy this thing up to get it to work right because, watch this, because even though I had an original valve, I went and I got another one. I didn't get another one. I got one of less quality. Here's what you need to know is, when Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to send you another. Everybody shout another. I'm going to send you another advocate. What he's saying is this word, Greek word is alos, A-L-L-O-S. It means another of equal value, another of equal quality. He's saying, I'm not going to shortchange you and send you someone else that can't do what I did. He says, when I leave you, I'm not going to leave you orphans, but I'm going to send you someone who's just as good a teacher as I was. He's going to teach you just like I did. He's going to convict you just like I did. He's going to give you wisdom just like I did. He's going to give you authority just like I did. And here we are 2,000 years later, and I wish somebody would help me today because the Spirit of God is with you and you have another comforter. You have the authority and the strength and the peace and the joy you need from the Spirit of God who lives on the inside of us and He will never leave us. But again, it's not, it's not about having a hallmark moment where we show up in church and we get Holy Spirit goosebumps. It's not about just showing up and having a good church service but going home. See, the reason it's not just about who's with us but why He's with us is God is trying to get us to understand something that when you live in this world, like who you, who you live life with should determine how you do life. In fact, I'd say it this way if you're taking notes, your association should determine your attitude. Come on. Listen, how many people have figured out the way this world works? It's not what you know, it's, it's who you know. I'm just, I'm just telling you, listen, if you get the right people in your life, it'll change the way you carry yourself. Let me give you just a couple great examples. So, Back right after, um, right after 9-11, and some of you guys weren't alive then, some of you were, there was, the world literally was in chaos, especially because it was a Muslim terror attack. Traveling anywhere to a Muslim nation was scary. And literally about, uh, this happened obviously September 11th, at the end of October, six weeks later, I'm traveling to the continent of Africa, to the nation of Nigeria, to the northern part of Nigeria. If you don't know anything about Nigeria, the northern half of Nigeria is, is Muslim-based. The southern is very Christian-based, and they're not civil. Muslims in the northern part of Nigeria actively pursue to hunt and kill Christians. They move into villages that are Christian villages, and they slaughter every person there. They burn down churches. They rape the women. It's, it's horrific. And God gave me the opportunity to go. And I'm going to be honest, I wasn't really excited about going six months after some Muslim terrorists flew, uh, flew planes into buildings. I wasn't excited to go. And we get into this nation, we get off the plane, and I'm just going to tell you, I was nervous. 
I was afraid. I was whatever you want to say it. It was not a good feeling. And so we get in a car and we drive to our hotel and there we met our host pastor and everything changed. And our host pastor, because our host pastor said, I had someone to go with you. <laughs> and there to go with us wherever we went for the next 11 days were four big old brothers carrying AK-47s. And he said, I want you to know that I told them and they will take a bullet for you. I'm like, oh, come on, baby. All of a sudden I was walking around with Tim and I'm like, let's go. We got this. That's right. We bad. Uh huh. You know why? Because it wasn't me. It was who was with me. Your association should determine your attitude. What I want you to know is you can live with confidence and peace in this world because you're never alone. And it's not just who's with you, but why he's with you. He's given you the power and the authority you need to live a faith-based life in this world. Come on, somebody. You should have some attitude about that. You should have some confidence about that. Let me give you another one. So uh, several years later, I went to Tanzania. Tanzania is in the southern part of the continent of Africa. If you don't know about Tanzania, I'm telling you, God is doing great things in the country of Tanzania. Uh, if you don't know this, if you're a giver here and you financially support Faith Church, then you also are financing the kingdom advancing in the nation of Tanzania. We are a part of a missions work called Priority One, uh, headed up by a great man named Sam Johnson. What we do is we build Bible colleges and training centers all over the world. We take people who've come to Christ and we train them to be pastors that they can go and properly train and give biblical training to new believers as the church grows and advances. And God is doing great things in the nation of Tanzania. There are hundreds of thousands of people that are getting saved. And that's not an exaggeration. That's not preacher talk. They, started a, uh, they made a decision to plant 10,000 new churches in 10 years, 10,000 new churches in 10 years. They're four years in, and they're already at 7,000 churches. Now they're changing it from 10,000 to 25,000 churches in 10 years. And there was, um, we were there, and I'm telling you, hundreds and thousands of pastors shouting, Tanzania for Jesus, Tanzania for Jesus. I mean, you're just like on fire. Well, so at the end of this crusade, and we, got, we went to this pastor's training thing, I was fired up. And at the end of the week, we got to go on a safari. Anybody here ever been on a safari before? Yeah, see, come on. Somebody got some favor. Favor ain't fair. It's all right. <laughs> so we got to go on this safari. And here's the thing about safaris. You go on an open safari, and because it's over hundreds of uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of square miles, you may potentially drive through the safari and not see anything. It's just that way. But not that way with me, baby, because favor ain't fair. We've seen every animal you want to see on that safari. We've seen what they call Africa's Big Five. We've seen the hippo, the rhino, the elephant, the giraffe, and the lion. We've seen all of them, which our, our guide said almost never happens. We've seen herds of antelope. We've seen herds of zebra. We've seen, I mean, herds of cut, everything. It was, it was awesome. It was cool. We've seen a tribe, uh, uh, I don't know, what, what do they call the lion? A uh, pride. Thank you, Robbie. We've seen a pride of lions. And I'm telling you, this, this is true. Our, our, our guide drove off the main road, which I say road is a dusty path. He drove off it literally. I was from here to you girls from a pride alliance in an open vehicle. Mm -hmm. That makes you tighten up, don't it? It makes you just. And it was, but it was awesome. But here's the thing. So we got done with this. We got done with this whole safari. It was amazing. We've seen all these cool animals. And, but the cool thing was we stayed at the safari overnight. Now, when we, I say stay at the safari, we didn't stay at the Sheraton because they didn't have no Sheraton. We stayed in a tent on the safari on the Badlands. Okay, see, y'all never been on a safari, so let me just tell you about it. So out on the safari, there are animals that eat people like me. And the bigger, the juicier, which means I was most at risk, right? 
and we were staying. It wasn't a nylon tent, but it was just, they were just basically canvas tents. And before we go in our tents, our guide who's been with us all day, he's given us all the rules and basically he tells us, listen, no matter what, do not come out of your tent at night. Well, what if I have to go to the bathroom? Well, you go where you are, you hold it, do not come out of your tents. And he goes on to tell us of all the things we're at risk, but the two greatest things that we were, were at risk of getting hurt by, and this first one's hard to believe, but he said, number one is an elephant. He said, an elephant is so, um, what, he said, they can sneak up on you. Literally, an elephant can sneak up on you at night and you not even hear them. That seems unreal because I walk through my house and wake half my family up. <laughs> he said, an elephant can move on you and you won't even know they're there and they can gorge you or just kill you. They're that strong. But the thing that's the deadliest on the African plane at night is the hyena. And so he goes on to tell us for about a half hour in detail how destructive and deadly hyenas are that hyenas have been breaking into the camp where we're staying. They have found, th listen, this, this is not an exaggeration. They have found tires chewed off of Jeeps by hyenas. Now, listen, if you can chew a tire off a, off a, off a Jeep, you're a bad mother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the second favorite thing of chewing tires off of Jeeps is tearing faces off of people. True story. That's what he tells us. Just last week, we found a pastor out in the brush. His face was gone. Well, have a good night. So as you can tell, I'm a little intimidated to sleep on the open safari. While that might be a dream come true, while that might be a bucket list event, we are on a, in a canvas tent in the open safari with every animal we've seen all day in this dinner time. But let me tell you what changed everything because your association should change your attitude. While I was a little bit nervous and intimidated to be on the open safari by myself, I found out I wasn't by myself because he took us around to the back side of the tent and our guide had hired some local help. Come on, somebody. Who he hired for us was some Maasai warriors. Now, Maasai warriors, you probably don't know nothing about no Maasai warriors, but Maasai warriors, they also are bad mothers. And our dude, this guy, I'm telling you, he was, I don't look up to many people. I'm 6'3". He was about 6'7". He never smiled. One of the crazy, African people typically, depending on what part of the country, are typically very happy, smile, joy people. He never broke a smile. I mean, this guy should be playing poker because he had a poker face, never smiled, just stood there with a big spear and a shield. And I'm telling you, his job was to keep guard of us overnight. He said, don't you worry, you sleep well because it's his job to keep notch. If you'll notice, one thing about a Messiah warrior, they all wear red. Do you know why they wear red? They wear red because they believe it attracts lions. Yeah, see, that's the last color I would wear. They're like, I, I, wish, a, I wish a lion might approach me. And so, man, all of a sudden, when I found out that I had a Maasai warrior protecting, my, protecting me while I sleep, I wish somebody would help me today. Like, it changed my attitude based on who I was associated with. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. I wasn't afraid because I had a warrior Maasai. Yeah, that's right. You can hashtag that, baby. The comforter shows up best when things are most uncomfortable. See, this is what I really came to tell you today. It's not just that God's with you, not just that the Holy Spirit's in you, but he's in you for a reason. And see, we have limited the experience of the Holy Spirit to a Sunday morning worship service. And that's why some of us aren't more excited about the Holy Spirit being with us. Because you don't really sense him and you don't really experience him the way you should. And do you know why? Because there's way too many of us living a safe church life. And but what I have found out about the Holy Spirit, he's also known, and we're going to see it in Scripture, he's also known as the comforter. And the comforter shows up best when things are uncomfortable. Let me, let me say it like this. Everybody grab your cell phone. I know you got it. Some of you, some of you texting while I'm talking. Get it. 
Everybody grab your cell phone because I want you to hold it and I, I want every time this happens, I want you to remember this talk. Here's the thing about a cell phone and specifically cell phone service. And you know this. You don't even have to look at your cell phone to know if you got service or not. Right? Based on, based on uh, where you're at, based on if it's a common place where a lot of people go, you're likely to have service. Isn't that true? If you go to the mall and there's hundreds of people, if you go to Tuscaloosa Stadium, if you go out and you're in the middle of a big city, if you're in Chicago or New York City, you almost always have cell phone service in common areas. And if you go out, you don't even have to look at your cell phone, but if you drive out in the country and it's not a common place where people go, how many people know that you probably won't have cell phone service? So the more common the place, the more likely the cell phone service. The less common the place, the less likely the cell phone service. But here's what I want you to know is the Holy Spirit operates exactly opposite of a cell phone. See, the reason some of you don't experience the Spirit of God giving you authority, giving you peace, teaching you, correcting you, convincing you, the reason is because you live a safe little church life. All you do is what common people do. You just work common jobs and have common conversations, and we live like the rest of the world. But I'm telling you, if you will dare to be different, if you'll do the uncommon, if you'll have uncommon conversations, if you'll step in, if you'll share your faith this week, if you have a conversation to try to bring somebody hope, some of you in this room, God's put a dream and a call on your life to start a business or to step in a ministry. I'm telling you, when you put yourself in the place to follow Christ into dangerous, uncommon areas, that's the time the Spirit of God shows up. My God, what do I do with this, Lord? I don't know how to handle this situation. That's when God will speak to you. That's when he'll give you wisdom. That's when he'll teach you because the promise is he is always with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us, but he shows up best when you're doing uncommon stuff, when we refuse to live like the rest of the world, God says, that's when I'll show up. When you're stepping into a ministry and you're afraid, can I do this? Well, I know what to say. Well, I know how to act. Let me tell you, you know when God speaks the clearest to me when I'm standing on a platform and I don't feel like I got anything to say and I'm standing in front of thousands of people, what do I say? You know what? When I put myself out in an uncommon place, that's when God shows up. And I'm just telling you, if you will just not live the normal, everyday, common life, and not that we don't have to have jobs and family, but I mean, if you'll intentionally, like the disciples, put yourself in places where you can walk out your purpose, where we can be the people that God's called us to be. See, Jesus, like us, he knew that, again, they would continue to need a teacher if they were going to be a disciple. They would continue to need to grow if they were going to be believers. They would continue to need an anointing and an authority in their life that they were going to go as missionaries. I want you to know something. You have a teacher who's going to help you be a disciple. You have the Spirit of God who's going to help you grow as a Christian. You have an authority through the Spirit of God in you to go be a missionary in your world, on your campus, in your workplace, in your family, and in your neighborhood. The comforter shows up best when things are uncomfortable. I'm going to challenge you to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and see what God will do. Does anybody here believe God will show up? Come on, church. Anybody here believe that? I want to close this way. There's a scripture I want to read, and if you were here this past Wednesday, uh, Pastor uh, Carlos Whitaker went over this just a little bit, but it's funny because it was a verse I was already going to share. There's a story about this guy. His name is Jairus. Jairus' daughter is sick, and so he goes and he finds Jesus and asks Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And on the way of following Jairus to his daughter, Jesus takes a detour and he begins to minister to another woman who's been sick. 
And while he takes this pit stop, Jairus gets the news that because of Jesus' delay, his daughter has died. And here's the story. I want to read just this one verse and we'll close. Verse 35 says, while he was still speaking to her, the woman that he stopped a detour to minister to, says, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. And they told him, come on, everybody read this as we close. Your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. See, in their mind, the only thing they thought Jesus was good for was a teacher. But Jesus was not a one-dimensional Messiah. He was not a one-dimensional pastor. He was not a one-dimensional leader. He wasn't just a great teacher. He was an incredible healer. He was a miracle worker. In fact, because Jairus decided to ignore their advice and still invited Jesus back, to his house, he found out that Jesus wasn't just a teacher, but he was a resurrection artist. And Jesus showed up and looked over this little girl and commanded her to live again. And in a moment, death left her and she leapt to her feet alive. And I say all that to tell you because, because we have another comforter. We have one just like Jesus living on the inside of us. But some of you, because of your denomination station, you were raised to think that the Holy Spirit is this one-dimension thing that shows up where you feel good on Sunday morning. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is multidimensional. And if you'll give him an opportunity in your faith journey, you'll find that he's authority to you. You'll find that he's conviction to you. You'll find that he's strength to you. You'll find he's wisdom to you. You'll find he's knowledge to you because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to you and I so we would have everything we need in our walk of faith. But you'll never know it until you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. And so, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And, God, I pray for everybody in this room, including myself. And, God, I thank you that you sent us another helper. I thank you that you sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit, to live with us and be in us that God, as we dare to tread on uncommon ground, God, walk out of faith that sometimes is challenging. God, you left us all the help we need. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I pray in Jesus' name, God, let every person's faith be built to believe that they have all they need to be successful, to walk out their faith. That you sent us a teacher. You sent us a helper. You sent us authority. You sent us wisdom in the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us this morning. We hope God spoke to you today. If you're new here, we hope you had a great time. Make sure you stop by the VIP desk on your way out. We want to give you that gift and personally thank you for being here with us. If you need prayer, we have a special prayer team at the prayer and care room out in the lobby whose sole purpose is to be there for you. If you have any questions about water baptism, connect groups, or grow you, head to the Next Steps area in the back of the lobby. We have people there ready to help. Also, stop by the merch booth. Check out our new fall FC gear. Take a picture with some friends or family and use the hashtag, I go to faith. Next week is Ghost Stories Part 2. We'll see you then.